following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Our Savior, ever true. Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. We don't look to anything else but Jesus Christ. That's it. We're looking anywhere else. We're going to be left short. We'll be left out in the cold. We're not going to make it. Keep our eyes on Him. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Look with me, if you would, at verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that without us, they without us should not be made perfect. Father, bless, we pray, the reading of your word to our hearts. But Father, arrest us for just a moment. Grasp our attention in a way that Not only is it a blessing to read your word, but there would be a determination to obey your word, to apply it to our life. And Father, we're we're facing some difficult days. I'm sure that there are people struggling in many different ways. And I'm not foolish enough to think that everyone's life is going along perfectly. Father, you 
you told us that there would be days where persecution would come. And so, Father, we ask that you would affect our hearts, our lives, our very soul. Change our character, please, so that it would be a character like unto yours, that we would be able to stand, having done all to stand. It's in your Son's name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we have made our way through the book of Hebrews, we come to a portion uh, where the preacher starts to make this homiletical shift. We talked about this last week. And he basically lets it be known that, you know, he could go on and on and on, but for sake of time, he'll, uh, he'll digress and he'll just kind of sum things up. I'd like to just point out to you real quickly that most of my, my sermons, if I was to manuscript everything that I would preach, would probably encompass three or four pages. This is a sermon, the book of Hebrews. It's a sermon that was written down for your edification and mine, for your encouragement and mine. And it's 12 chapters long, actually 13 chapters long, I apologize. And so don't get exasperated when I preach longer than five minutes. But as we look through this, we began last week by looking at two, the two aspects, the first of the two, of faith. And we've, we've kind of muddied our way through this book, and this book's got a pretty easy-to-follow theme it's that whatever you can find in this earth, whatever you can find in this world, whatever you can come across, Jesus is better. That's pretty much the uh, outcome of this book. If you were to uh, look at, uh, at, at this book in its entirety, you can find out very quickly that even though the Old Testament prophets were great, Jesus is better. Even though Moses was great, Jesus is better. Even though the sacrifices were great, Jesus is better. Even though angels are pretty awesome to look into and to study and to, uh, to find out more about, guess what, my friend? Jesus is better. No matter what you come across in, in your life, no matter what you are presented with in this, uh, this world, I'm telling you right now, uh, whether you like Trump, you like Biden, or you like none of them, and you like somebody else off to the side, my friend, Jesus is better. This is the book of Hebrews summed up in one word, better. We need to rest on that. I love my wife. And I think as far as wives go, I got the best one. But Jesus is better. I've got three great kids. I absolutely love my children. But Jesus is better. Do you feel the same way? When push comes to shove, if you were to face uh, uh, whatever it may be, which would you choose? Would you choose your 
job or Jesus? Would you choose your family or Jesus? Would you choose your hobbies or Jesus? Would you choose your checkbook or Jesus? Would you choose your political party or Jesus? Would you choose of, uh, the, uh, the thought of somebody not liking you because of your stance on right or Jesus? A lot of people are quick to say, you know what, I love me some Jesus, but when push comes to shove, uh, I'm not going to take that part of it. And we're not willing to endure because we choose something over Jesus. Now, this is really kind of where we find ourselves here today, because last week we looked at the first aspect of faith, which is what we do. It's the active way that we, uh, we reveal our faith. How do I know uh, that, uh, that I really honestly have faith in something? Um, if I were to uh, bring this chair up and, let's say, this stool... Hey, Jeff, come up here and sit on this thing, will you? <laughs> and I was to say, I have faith that that stool will hold me. You don't know that I really have faith until you see me sit down. You know, I like to play with the kids. We'll, we'll play games when I, when I teach with the kids. We'll play games, and then they have to answer a question. And I say, all right, you come on up, and you get to be the one to do this. And so they'll come up, and I'll just kind of stand right there. All right. And just to have some fun. You know, <laughs> what do they do? Lack of faith, kids. You don't have faith in your preacher. But to say that I have faith, there's an active portion of it. I actually have to do something. Some of y'all were hoping it would fall. Some of you, I saw the look on your eyes like, oh, please, if ever there was a time, right now, let it just collapse, God, please. I'm begging you, I'll never ask for anything again, right? Some of you all out there had better prayer lives in the last five minutes than you've had your whole life. You have to actually do something in order to show the faith and to reveal, I believe that this can hold me up. I built a bed for my daughter the other, uh, well, it's been a, a few weeks ago now. And, you know, there was a part of her, I'm sure, she was looking. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of one, I wanted to be the first one to lay on it first. <laughs> let, me, let me test it out because if this fat guy can take it, you know, it'll be all right for you. There's an aspect of faith there. And so when we look through chapter 11, we see all the different things that the people of God did to prove their faith. But the second aspect is the passive aspect of faith. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. Because I think that there's a lot of people who are fine, uh, and they say that they, they would always do the right thing when handed the opportunity. But here's how we know that we're willing to do the right thing. It's are we willing to endure the right thing. See, this is the passive portion of faith. Not necessarily what we're willing to do because we have faith, but what we're willing to endure because of our faith. 
And the writer of Hebrews kind of sets it out for us as he started there in 32. He says, what can I say? You know, time's going to fail me if I keep bringing up a lot of these different examples. And so I really kind of want to kick this all off with the question of, is faith only demonstrated by what we say and do? No, my friend, I don't believe that faith is only demonstrated by what we say and do. I believe faith can very quickly be demonstrated by, by, by what we're willing to go through. I think there's a lot of people who are willing to go through certain things. But there are other things that they're, no, not that. I'm not willing to go through that. And so let us take note just for a moment here of something that uh, uh, I I touched on before, and we're going to kind of examine it very, very quickly. Let's first take note of some of what we've learned about faith. I think faith is a misunderstanding. It's not just a, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to step out and just hope everything works all right. No, no, no. I remember uh, uh, the first time I ever saw uh, bungee jumping. I was I was enamored by bungee jumping, and I'm one of those weirdos. It's like, yeah, strap me up, buddy. I don't care. I think it looks like you made that in your garage by some guy named Bubba. I'll take it on. Yeah, I, and I watched, and this guy he was trying to get this girl to just jump, just. All you do is you just jump. I don't know what to do. He said, well, you just jump. He said, but I'm scared. And he says, just jump like this. He didn't have a bungee strap on at all. He just jumped right off. And he had that great big air cushion underneath. And I'm looking going, ah! You know, <laughs> he doesn't have a strap on. He landed on that air cushion. And I was just like, I want to do that now. <laughs> she didn't have faith in the strap. He had faith in what was down there. You see, faith is not just stepping out blindly and hoping everything works out okay. It's believing the one who calls you to step out. And so faith is taking someone at their word based on what I know about them, and as I learn more about them, I am willing to obey and trust the outcome to them. When you're a parent and your child is standing on the side of the pool and you're in the pool and you say, jump, daddy will catch you. They put their faith in you based on what they know about you. They jump out and trust you with the outcome. And after you catch them the first time, guess what? They're not so nervous to jump in the second time, are they? Because the more they learn about you, the more they're willing to jump and trust you with the outcome. This is the way it is with faith. But I want you to notice in verse 35, not only what they did leading up to this, but now verse 35, there's a transition in the midst of the verse. It says, women received their dead raised to life again, but now here we have the transition portion. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. It explains to us now not what they did, but what they went through because of their faith. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only preacher in history to utter this statement, but if there's ever been a time in American history where we need to make sure to iron out exactly what we believe, it's today. Because I'm here to tell you, I'm watching the writings on the wall. Let me give you just a little bit of an example here of what it's talking about. These people enduring, what they endured. The preacher gives us a general rundown of some of what those of faith endured. And while we can look to the prophets and the histories and God's Word, some of these specific individuals are not recorded with names attached to them. And then some of the things, you know, for example, we see where they were sawn in two. Uh, We're not going to find anything really in the Old Testament to allude to this, but what we will find is historical references to this. Uh, As a matter of fact, this idea of being sawn in two, many believe that this is the tradition uh, traditional way that Isaiah actually was uh, put to death. There's, there's no definitive, um, but this is the way they believe that he was martyred by Manasseh. Um, the words that you're going to find through this are, are very strong. Notice what it says in verse 35 there at the middle. It says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. This is an interesting one. As you study the history of the Jewish people and you get back into the Maccabean time period, uh, there was a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this Antiochus Epiphanes, this ruler that was very, uh, very vile, very cruel. Um, he wanted to do away complete, completely with adherence to the Jewish law. He wanted it gone. He wanted to snuff it out. And this word for tortured is an interesting word. Uh, the Greek word, I'm not going to bore you with all of that, but the Greek word basically means to beat as a drum. And what they would do, uh, many historians believe that what it's talking about here, what they would do is they would put you on a rack and stretch your body as far as they can so that your skin was stretched so much as a drum. And then they would take rods and they would beat you with those rods. The Greek word that is given to us for this idea of tortured is also the same word used in beating in the area of such as beating of the feet because this was where we got that, uh, that idea of that sort of a practice where they would just completely rail in on you and use you as a human drum. Why? For their faith. Well, Pastor Andy, that's not going to happen here in America. During that Maccabean time period, there was a story, a record, I'm sorry, not a story, but I believe it's a historical record of a woman and her seven sons 
And what they did was they brought her seven sons, and the only thing that they wanted was for them to give up the law and eat pork. They said, no. They said, we're going to kill you if you don't give up your ancestral law and eat pork. They said, no. They took the oldest son. Uh, The king commands, take his tongue out. Cut his tongue off. Then they said, eat the pork. He says, no. They said, cut his hands off and his feet off. The king commanded for uh, them to bring cauldrons, large cauldrons filled with oil and heat the oil. And while the man was there still bleeding because he had had his arms, or his hands, his feet, and his tongue removed, brutally removed from his body, they took his then still bleeding, still alive body, threw him in the boiling oil. And they said to the next son, eat the pork. And he said, no. They went through this with six of the seven sons. And the whole time, the mother, watching it transpire, was reminding her sons, there's a better resurrection. There's a brighter tomorrow. My boys, don't forsake your God. They took the youngest, after having watched his six brothers, And they said, eat the meat. We'll let you go. We'll give you great prominence. We'll give you a position in the kingdom over your people to ensure their safety from this moment forward. He said, no. They went to the mother and they implored her mother, you talk to your son convince him, talk some sense into him, and they talked to her about what had taken place and what they were going to do more so to her son if he did not forsake the law and eat the meat. And she went up to her son and with tears in her eyes got into his ear and said, there's a better resurrection coming. Today, people are willing to forsake their faith for a Facebook post because their friends or their co-workers or their family members take a far liberal side of something and they're not willing to stand up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, killing that child's wrong. Well, I don't want to be unpopular. I don't want people to not like me. I don't want people to think I'm some Bible thumper. Listen, while some went through these horrific tortures, I want you to notice something else. It says, uh, uh, verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, and in dens, and ca- they uh, uh, wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, and caves of the earth, these all having obtained a good report. But I want you to go back to uh, verse, uh, um, excuse me, verse 36. 
Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. While the, many did actually go through these horrific tortures for their faith, some were mocked. People today can't take a little bit of mocking. You think they're going to let their tongue be cut out? People today can't be insulted for a stance on right. Oh, you can't be that old-fashioned. You can't be that, that foolish. You can't, be, you can't honestly believe that the Bible is, I mean, come on. You can't honestly believe everything in that book is true. You can't honestly believe all that stuff. People don't want to endure that kind of mocking. You think they're going to have their hands cut off? I want you to notice something else with this. While some went through these tortures, others had to suffer poverty and penalties. Now, we need to understand that not all persecution is going to be physical pain in life. It's not going to be. Some persecution might be loss of benefits might be loss of your financial well-being. You might be insulted. Ooh, even so, come Lord Jesus, right? But are, are we willing to endure? Now, remember the statement I made earlier. Faith is dependent on what I believe about the person calling me. I want you to catch this as well. What faith endured, many of these, these folks abandoned all that this world would have to offer for a short time here on earth. Think back to the mother and her seven sons. We'll give you position. We'll give you wealth. We'll give you status. We'll, we'll spare you. For how long? I mean, best case scenario, maybe the guy lives another 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know. Some believe that he was in his 30s when this took place. What's the next 30, 40, 50 years compared to eternity? Many of us are willing to give up eternity in exchange for someone liking me today. Catch this. People are faithless when they focus on the short-time joys of the earth and ignore eternal blessings. This is where people are faithless. They, they are faithless when they're focused on immediacy. They're faithless when they focus on just what I want for today, just how it's going to make me feel today. Listen to me. I absolutely hate punishing my children. I hate having to correct them. I don't like looking at that sweet little face and saying, honey, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be allowed to have dessert today. But it reaps benefits 
in the long term. You ever go to Walmart? You'll see the benefits that ain't been reaped. Spend five minutes back in the electronic section. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Right? You're walking through going, I can spank him if you need me to. I got a belt. I notice in the, you know, the yoga pants don't have belt loops, but I got belt loops here. You need me to take it off, I'll be glad to loan it to you, sister. That child needs taken to the woodshed. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. You ain't going to get it. Told my kids one time, they said, I said, Say, ask me again. I like saying no. It's my favorite pastime. Ask me again. Can I have, nope. Not again. You see, we've got to get our mind off of the immediate gratification. And look to the brighter tomorrow that's coming. Notice this, the accolade of faith is the shame of doubt. Look at verse 38 with me, please. Of whom, talking about those of faith, of whom the world was not worthy. A lot of people don't like this part. They don't want to hear this. But the world is not worthy of the testimony of the faithful. People don't want to hear that. That's Scripture, though. Think about it for just a minute. Understand that the darker this world becomes, the more need for the light of God. So this is not just, you know, kick them to the curb. This is honest truth. Before I came to Christ, my, my existence was worth dung on a good day. The only thing that makes me worth anything is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only thing that gives me benefit. That's the only thing that gives me value. The only thing that gives me worth. God sent his son to buy that and recycle that piece of trash. But I wasn't worthy of it. He makes me worthy. It wasn't me. Realize what what this really kind of entails. This world is not worthy of the light shown by those of faith because those who would count God's people worthless are revealing their lack of value. Think think for just a moment. Catch this. It's not that we should despise those of the world. Rather, we should pity them. It's not that we should despise people who do not know Christ as Savior. We should pity them because they have no value until Christ comes into their life. Their life is meaningless. Their life is worthless. So you're telling me that my child or my cousin or my niece or my nephew, listen to me with all the love that I can muster. I'm not saying it out of anger or hatred. I'm saying it out of a broken heart. Until they know Christ, nothing matters. 
It's not because, well, they were just born in, in not being able to have. No, 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 no. Stop for a minute. Stop. They reject it. Their rejection is what brings about their worthlessness. Catch this for a minute. We pity those who reject, right? We pity those who reject. Why do we pity them? Well, number one, because they were condemned. They are condemned. You and I are delivered, saved. My heart breaks for those who are still under condemnation. Does yours. They face an eternal punishment. We who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior face eternal glory. My heart breaks for those who are facing eternal punishment. They are separated from God eternally. Our future is union with God eternally. We pity that. Our hearts should break over that. Some people will get angry at the truth that anyone who is opposed to God will suffer eternal damnation. A lot of people get upset at that. Not my baby. Not my friend, not my aunt, not my mama. Please understand. It's their choice. So you're telling me God's going to kick them to the curb? Mm -mm. No, no, no. On the contrary, God actually came to this earth, put his hands on that old rugged cross, put his feet down, allowed his body to be beaten and battered and bruised for them. For them to say, I don't want that, and to spit in the face, they're not worthy. That doesn't give us cause to rejoice. It gives us a heaviness in the heart that should make us desire to show them, to introduce to them, to stand, to reveal our faith in the one that we believe can save them. For me to ignore and for me to just say, whatever's fine, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, is a slap in the face of faith. Are you willing to endure some difficulty? And somebody asked me one time, says, so you're telling me that you would be so audacious to tell someone who has for 80 years believed that Buddhism was the way to God, that you're going to tell them that if they don't know you're Jesus, they're going to go to hell? How mean is that? Listen to me, my friend. If I don't believe it, then yeah, that's mean. But if I actually believe it, the most loving thing I can do is introduce them to the truth. Whether it hurts them or not, I can do it with all the love I can muster. I can try my absolute best. But am I willing to endure a little bit of mocking for the sake of what I believe? For my God. 
I want you to realize something that this is not finished. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Else we wouldn't still be here. There's still work that needs to take place. There are still kingdoms that need to be subdued. I'm not talking about with armies. I'm not talking about with a militia. I'm not talking about political power. I'm talking about there needs to be kingdoms uh, that need to be subdued uh, by the dispensing of truth out of the mouths of those who claim to be children of God. If we're not proclaiming and dispensing the truth, the kingdom will never be subdued. You want to know why America is in the position that it's in right now? It's because people who believe or claim to believe what this book says don't talk about it. We have taken a back seat. We have allowed ourselves, we have allowed our friends, our neighbors, our family members to convince us to keep our mouths shut. You can have your opinion to yourself, but my opinion will be out there for everybody to hear and read. But Christian, shut up. That's what they've said, and we've bought it lock, stock, and barrel. Now, I'm not talking about grabbing a sign and going out there and throwing bricks through buildings. No, no. I'm sorry, but Jesus doesn't need someone waving a sign and throwing a brick through an abortionist clinic and knocking some woman in the head. But we need to be honest. And so when someone says, what do you think about it? Uh, I think killing an innocent is wrong. Well, who makes you the boss? I'm not the boss. I'm just following the boss. Well, how do you know what the boss wants? He wrote it down. So you believe that book? Uh Uh-huh. You can't believe all of it. Yes, I do. Even the part about that guy getting swallowed by a whale? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that part too. Keep messing around, you're going to get swallowed by one. Like the little kid who was talking to his teacher. She said, you can't believe in that. He says, yes, I do. She said, she said, well, I don't think it's possible for a man to be swallowed by a whale. And the little boy says, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Jonah, and I'm going to ask Jonah. She says, well, what if Jonah doesn't go to heaven? Well, then you can ask him. Y'all love kids, right? Look with me one last time here, a couple things. Verse 32, time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. But what else did they do? They wrought righteousness or they did righteous works. My friend, there are righteous works that still need to be done today. And there's a lot of righteous works going undone today. Not holding tightly to my things or my, that's my freedom. No, no, no. I'm talking about revealing Christ 
and standing firm on what he desires. Wrought righteousness and obtained promises. There's still work to be done. There are still promises to obtain. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But the way a lot of Christians live, this world is all the home that they'll ever know. Because they're holding so tightly to the things of this world that they just have no faith. Not willing to let go and embrace Him. What's the evidence of that, Pastor? Well, the average American has over $11,000 in credit card debt alone. You factor in car debts, mortgages, whatever else. We like our stuff, don't we? Listen, <laughs> I like stuff too. I, 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 have, I have to admit, I do my fair share of Amazon and eBay. And I like stuff. We all like stuff. Matter of fact, you know, money doesn't clash with any outfit. It looks good no matter what color you're wearing. That green of a dollar bill, you can pin it on your lapel no matter what color you got on. And nobody would say, you know, that clashes. They'd say, I want one too. I get it. I get it. But are we so busy collecting our treasures here that we're not laying up treasures there? where rust isn't going to grab hold of it. The moth can't eat it. It never gets destroyed. So, let's ask you, how's your endurance? How's your endurance? Do you trust God? Do you trust Him enough to endure hardship? Do you have faith in him? Are you willing to go through whatever it may be? I think many of us would want to say that if the day came where someone told me your life for your faith, we'd, I think most of us would say, yeah, I'd, I'd willingly give up my life. What about the way someone, make it personal. What about the way your mom, your dad, your spouse, your children? Are you willing to give up the way they view you for your faith? Oh, you can't be one of those kind. Yeah, Dad, I am. You can't be one of those kind. Yes, son, I am. I love you. But I love this more. I love him. And I'm willing to stand on his word.
because I love him. Are you willing to be rejected by those who reject God? Think about it for a minute. Are you willing to suffer rejection by those who reject your Savior? The one who bled and died for you. Are you okay to be mocked by them? To be rejected by them? Do you give preference to your comfort? Are you catering more to your comfort than to the Word of God? Well, I pay attention to the Word of God, just not all the parts. Didn't know God's Word needed an editor. Let me just ask it this way, and I'm going to Go back to the verses that we read earlier today in John chapter 16. I want you to note this. Because Jesus never promised a life of ease. Look at John 16 verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come. And ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. <laughs> Yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Do you trust God enough to give up whatever it is you're holding on tightly to and endure anything? What is it that you don't want to endure? You know. I don't. It's you. I got my things that I struggle with. You got your things that you struggle with. The question is, what is it I'm not willing to go through? Acknowledge it. And forsake it. We'll get into this more when we get into chapter 12 about laying aside weights. But just understand this. Back to the statement I made earlier. Faith is simply taking God at His word. Whether I agree with it or not, His word says it. That settles it. And I trust Him to take care of the outcome. Is that where you are today? If not, let's get there together. Recognize our areas that we need to change. And let's do business. Jeff was talking about that foundation. 
That's it. You'll never be able to stand on anything else. If you're not standing on this, you're standing on man's opinions. And man's opinions are like noses. Everybody's got them. They like to pick them. And some of them are bigger than they need to be. This never changes. Father, thank you that you've given to us your word. Thank you that you've given to us something that we know beyond the shadow of a doubt is real. It's your Holy Spirit dwelling in us, empowering us, empowering us to endure more than we think we can, to accomplish more than we thought we could. Father, I I know me in my own life and in my heart of hearts, there are areas that need to be addressed. There are things that perhaps I'm holding on to too tightly today that I need to get rid of. Father, I know the same can be said all through this building. So, Father, open our mouths where they need to be open. Close off areas of our heart that needs to be closed off. Stop our ears from listening to the lies of this world. And, Father, block our eyes, putting blinders, so that we keep our eyes focused on your will and your way. Father, help us. We're weak. I know that. We're feeble on our best days. But you are strong. And so help us to not put our faith in our own abilities and our own strength, but to wholly trust you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio. 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.